Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women and author of the Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And this is The Wallet. The Wallet is here to help you make better financial decisions by talking honestly about money. I'll be sharing my best tips, inspiring you to take charge of your financial futures and talking to an array of awesome guests from all walks of life, employees, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and money experts. Many of us are trying to consume less, eat less meat, recycle, limit the number of flights we take to have a positive impact on the environment. However, it is estimated that of the 3 trillion pounds invested in UK pensions, a lot of it funds harmful industries like fossil fuels, tobacco and arms, according to Make My Money Matter. With workplace pensions, it's sometimes hard to know where your money is being invested, which could be conflicting with your personal beliefs, but there is a huge potential for this money to be used for positive change. Joining me today is Georgia Stewart, the co-founder of Tumelo, an impact-focused financial technology firm. Her mission is to enable investors and pension members to benefit from a more sustainable investment system, giving a voice to shareholders and full transparency as to where their money is being invested. We look at how you can make sustainable choices with your investments and how to get started investing in companies and causes you care about. Remember, the value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. And also, always do your research. And note that we discussed in this podcast is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. I also wanted to let you know that we are not financial advisors. So the articles, the information made available on Vespot.com and in this podcast are provided just for educational purposes and do not constitute financial advice. So make sure you consult with an independent financial advisor for advice on your specific circumstances. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Georgia. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How are you today? Really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, where are you? I'm based in Edinburgh at the moment. So normally we're based in Bristol, but we're pretty much spread out across the UK at the moment. Great. No, thank you so much for joining me on the on the wallet today. We I mean you you spoke at, at a Vespod event about, you know, impact investing and how to make your money work for you in a more sustainable way. So I guess that's you know what we what I want to cover today. But maybe I wanted to start by asking you, I mean if you could share a little bit more about uh, yourself and and your background. Yeah, sure. So obviously, my name's Georgia. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Tomello, which is an impact-led financial technology firm. I guess we're going to go into that a bit more. Before founding Tomello, I was at university. I went to Cambridge and studied really climate change and evolutionary biology and that kind of stuff. So always focused on sustainability and the environment. And at university, I worked for a campaign called Positive Investment Cambridge, which was a group of students, mostly like master's and PhD students, who were obsessed with changing the way the university invested its own endowment. So basically trying to make the university's investments more sustainable um, and specifically using the university's reputation as kind of an old, archaic institution with, with significant clout to get them to be a more proactive shareholder and, and 
enact change at some of the companies that we invested in, like BP or Shell or British American Tobacco. So it was all about using the power of the university's voice to to improve those companies, to influence them in a positive way. And that's why I worked on a university. So that was sustainable investing, but with a real focus on stewardship or, or shareholder engagement is another word for that. And that's really where Tomello came from. Before actually starting Tomello, I did a bit of time in sustainable investment, kind of in the asset management side. So as an analyst on some active asset management desks, that kind of green investment, I guess you would say. And I also did a bit of time at a conservation agency, working specifically with businesses, you know, large corporations, thinking about how they could improve their footprint on the environment and specifically on biodiversity. So I guess it was a well-rounded experience before then launching Tomello, which really goes back to those roots of that campaign at Cambridge and focuses on how we can help everybody be a more proactive shareholder over their investment. Yeah, and that's really, I guess, your mission with Tomello. It's enabling investors, so like you and me, I guess, and like pension members to invest in a more sustainable way. How did you did you start the business and, and what are you trying to uh, to achieve? So as you said, our vision is really to help every investor have positive influence on companies they own through their investments. And when you're investing in an ISA or whether it's through your pension, your money is being invested indirectly in lots of really large companies. And it may feel like those companies are untouchable. It's like Facebook and Microsoft and Google and BP. But actually with share ownership comes really interesting shareholder rights including things like being able to influence how those companies report on climate change or how they focus on gender equality or human rights, for example. And so what we aim to do, our mission, is really to empower investment providers, that's investment platforms, uh, pension providers, to really engage their underlying investors by giving them transparency and giving them a shareholder voice for the first time. Because at the moment, if you invest through an ISA or through your pension, you don't have a voice. You're just handing your money over to someone else to kind of sort that stuff out. And I guess in terms of our mission, we're really looking at how we can build a more sustainable investing system. But by doing that through the power of shareholder engagement, rather than necessarily picking ESG or SRI funds. And both of those things can be done together. But we are thinking about how anyone with any investment can contribute to positive influence to the companies that they are invested in. Yeah, okay. And I mean, we'll talk about sustainable investing and what, what it actually means. And you, you mentioned ESG, SRE, SRI, there's like so many, uh, you know, acronyms and dragons. So I think we'll, we'll deep dive into that and also talk about, yeah, your pension, because I mean, a lot of people have pension. And when you have a pension, if we just take a step back, uh, it means your money is going to be invested in the stock market. Most people don't actually know that. And it's usually going to go into funds, um, so equity funds and bond funds. So it's going to be invested in companies. And with Tumelo, you can actually understand better how to make this money work uh, in a more in a more sustainable way. I think we've seen like you know people are increasing increasingly interested in making an impact on the world. So that's going to be from environmental change to social change, for example. I think for me, I see I'm, I've been changing the way I, I spend my money, I consume, and slowly this also had an impact on on how I invest. So can you can we go back and can you actually define for us what sustainable investing is and maybe the difference with uh, SRI, with ESG and impact investing because there's all these terms and they can be uh, quite confusing. Yeah, sure. So 
I mean, sustainability means the same whether you're talking about investing or consumerism or, um, I guess, any other way, education, like whatever um, you're applying it to. It's the idea that if you use something now, you know, it's still going to exist for future generations. And I suppose that's really what it means when you apply it to in investing as well. It's are the companies I'm investing, investing in sustainable? So are they ruining the planet or damaging society in a way that is not sustainable over the long term and so I guess that's that's the fundamental of what it means how far you take that is kind of about how positive the influence is so sustainability just means kind of you know it's able to continue over the long term if you're talking about an impact investment it tends to mean actually I'm not happy with just investing in companies that are able to continue over the long term I want to invest in companies that have a positive impact, like an absolute positive impact over the long term that are going to result in a better society um, and a better environment for uh, societies in the future. And, and then I, I suppose there's just a spectrum of different types of investment from investments that damage, which are unsustainable to kind of sustainable all the way through to impact investing. I suppose sustainability in a way is also in the eye of the beholder, which is why I think what we do at Tomello is important because it allows for that subjectivity. It allows people to engage on issues that matter to them, whether that's gender equality or human rights or biodiversity or climate change. Because at the end of the day, it's quite hard to find a company that is large, you know, the size of Facebook or something like that, which ticks all of those boxes. That said... They are out there and as you as a shareholder what you can do is try and invest in the best companies and then work to improve them and you know keep hold them to high standards so sustainable investing could mean investing in companies that put gender diversity first or investing in companies that uh, don't have a high carbon footprint or have a low carbon footprint or, or those that are positively contributing to the environment and then all the way through to impact investing that might mean you know, companies whose sole purpose is to improve social housing or whose whose sole purpose is to improve biodiversity. So, so that tends to be the difference. When it comes to ESG and SRI, they're kind of just acronyms for the same stuff. And it depends who's running them and what they say, the people that are running the funds. SRI means socially responsible investing. It just means the investments you're making are not damaging society, the environment. ESG, it means environmental, social and governance. So it means that when you're investing, you're taking into account the environmental factors, the social factors and the governance factors of a company rather than just the financial factors. But they really mean the same thing as sustainable investing from, from my perspective, at least. Yeah, no, great. Th thank you for, for you know explaining these terms. I think it's, it's, it's quite a big world and it's also quite new so for a lot of investors it's quite hard to to actually get started but there's so many ways and, and we'll look at a few today why do you think you know has sustainable investing increased in in popularity over over the years and who do you think is is leading the way i was reading that you know millennial investors uh, are more maybe socially and environmentally conscious i mean who who's who's driving change um in this in this space I guess that people have realized how important it is, not just in terms of the future, but also from a financial perspective. I think it's just becoming more and more obvious that if you invest in a company that's damaging the environment or that doesn't treat its workers well or doesn't respect human rights or doesn't favor women or, or, or treat women equally, then 
you're probably investing in a company that's not going to do well. Like that just seems to be becoming more apparent to at least the millennial generation. But I think all ages are starting to realize. And there's a lot of scientific evidence as well, or, or economic evidence, where, you know, they can track women on the board and having diverse boards leads to better decision making, which leads to increased stock performance. And then you can see the scandal with Boohoo, for example, and see that actually, you know, their share price is damaged when it comes out that they're not treating people well in their factories or similarly with BP and when they have an oil spill. And, you know, that type of thing is really affecting the performance of the company. So you want to know that the people who are managing your money are taking these things into account. They're not just prioritizing finance, finance, finance the whole way. No. They're not just looking at the financial models. They're also looking at how do how do the board make decisions? How are the employees treated over the long term? How does the maternity policy reflect the requirement for diversity within the organization? So that's really what ESG investing or sustainable investing means from a methodical point of view. I guess the other side of things for individuals is that they are thinking about saving and they're thinking about investing because they want to have a better future, right? So so you save for a house because you want to have a nicer house than you could if you didn't save, or you save for your pension because you want to be able to retire and go on holiday and visit nice places and, you know, swim with the turtles and the Galapagos, whatever you want to do when you're retired. But unless you invest in the right companies now, that retirement or that future that you're envisioning where you're going to spend all that money you've saved isn't going to look nice. It's not going to be somewhere where you want to retire because you're going to have huge migration issues with, you know, people suffering from climate change. You know, we already suffer from what 60% uh, biodiversity loss in the world. If that continues and there's going to be no animals to see on your retirement safari. So I guess people are also starting to put two and two together and think that if they don't start protecting the environment using their money at the moment, then it's not going to be a nice place uh, to spend their money when they have it later on. No, and I, I see it. I mean, we more and more, like we having this type of conversations and I, I was wondering about financial returns. Can you just comment on, on the returns people should expect from this type of investment? Yes. So I think the first thing to acknowledge and to recognize what everyone says is that past performance is not a predictor of future performance. And that applies whether you're talking about a sustainable fund or otherwise. So you can't look at the last 50 years to work out what a fund's going to do in the next 50 years. It's kind of useless. That yeah. said, sustainable funds have done really well over the last year. COVID has been good for sustainability. Typically, they're underweight in oil firms and they're overweight in tech firms, which means that they've performed pretty well during the crisis relative to mainstream funds. And they have done really well over the last five to 10 years. Regardless, there isn't a long, long history of sustainable funds going back hundreds of years because it didn't used to be something that people considered or labeled in that way. And as we discussed, sustainability is really subjective. So I think you have to understand the philosophy of the fund manager and also you have to understand what your own outlook is. I mean, if you say, Emily, that you agree that investing in I don't know, you know, companies that behave more like Patagonia versus companies that are damaging the planet is going to lead to good returns, then you should go with that instinct. Because if, if that is your world outlook and that's the life you're going to lead and the way that you're going to vote and the way that your friends are going to vote, then it is inevitable that those companies will do better. But you have to believe in that yourself. And I guess if you don't believe that that's going to happen, then maybe you are going to want to hedge your bets and not invest so heavily in sustainable funds. So I think you have to think about your own world outlook and align your investments with that. 
And if, if you are eating vegan or you're cycling to school or you are worried about air pollution or you care about conservation, any of these things would point towards the fact that you might also want to consider investing more sustainably um, or investing in line with any of those values because it doesn't make sense for your consumerism and your uh, behavior as a citizen, i.e. how you vote, the way you go about your life, how you behave, should conflict with your investments because there is a lot of contradiction that exists there at the moment, mostly just because there's a lack of transparency. And I, I guess, as you say, searching for those funds is really difficult and trying to work out, you know, how, how do we not take a risk? But there are lots of really reputable fund managers who are, if I just take Bailey Gifford, for example, because I know those guys, they have got an incredible track record as a fund management house. They have a fund which is called Positive Change. And, you know, they're not going to release a fund and not manage it to the same standard as they do the rest of their funds. And you can read about the philosophy of the fund manager and, and the committee that's managing that fund before you invest. So I guess it seems like if you apply rationality to your fund selection, as you would no matter where you invested, then you should end up with a good outcome or an outcome in line with what you would have had if you didn't invest sustainably. Yeah. No, thanks, Georgia. And yeah, I guess it's it's starting with, yeah, an opinion. So, you know, where would you like your, your money to go? Because I think with auto-enrollment, a lot of people now have pension pots. These pension pots are growing quite quickly. And if you have a pension, you're actually an investor. But the worrying start is that most people don't actually know how their, their money is invested. I don't know if you've seen, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this, this campaign by Richard Curtis, mm -hmm. uh, so the level of actually director and comic really founder. And he says much of the three trillion pounds uh, in UK pensions is contributing to the deforestation of the Amazon, helping tobacco companies sell cigarettes and funding new fossil fuel projects. Is this surprising to you? I mean, why don't we know where or how our money is being used? Yeah, so I know the folks that make my money matter and it's a brilliant campaign focused on consumer awareness and trying to help people understand that. I guess what I just said there, you know, that that contradiction does exist, that people who are working in the healthcare sector or even researching lung cancer have their pensions invested in tobacco companies, you know, or people that are specifically... That's crazy. Yeah, you know, and it's the same people that specifically avoid soy are investing in food companies that have massive importation from the Amazon or, or other areas in South America that are leading directly to deforestation and, and don't sign up to the basic sustainability requirements. So I guess that that's really what they're pointing to. I think it's a really clear message, you know, wake up consumer because all the other choices you make sometimes sacrifices that you make to lead a sustainable life are being undone by the way that your pension is invested. I think it's more than that, though. For us, we try also to focus on the positive side of things because that three trillion pounds that Richard Curtis is talking about is also has massive potential to do good. It's not just about the harm it can do. It's also what happens if we invested that in sustainable infrastructure in the UK or in social housing or in biodiversity projects or in mental health awareness or, you know, whatever it was that was going to lead to economic productivity and improve outcomes for people in retirement. Because it's not just financial outcomes we're talking about here. We're also talking about your quality of life and your well-being as an individual, you know, as a UK citizen or, or as a resident anywhere else in the world. So 
I think there's a huge potential in pensions. The difference between pensions and ISAs when it comes to their potential to have positive impact is also important. Pensions are really long-term investments. Your pension can be invested in private companies, in large infrastructure projects like, like railways or you know, new roads or housing developments because it's really long-term capital. So whereas you might need the money in your ISA in five years' time to buy a house, so you, know, you don't, wouldn't want it tied up in a railway, your pension, you know you're not going to need it for 20, 30, maybe 50 years. So uh, that money is, is much more useful when it comes to long-term projects. And that's really why we talk about the power of pensions in a slightly different way than we do talk about the power of, of ISAs. And going back to your question about, you know, why do people not know? That's the other difference between ISAs and pensions, where ISAs or, or any kind of investment, like stocks and shares investment, that you make on a personal basis tends to be more proactive. Now you've decided, okay, I'm going to open a stocks and shares ISA, or I'm going to open a general investing account, or I'm going to open a trading account. And it's something that you pay attention to, you do it actively. Therefore, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to invest in these funds. And even if you don't know the detail, you still know that your money is going there and that's what it's contributing to. On the other hand, for pensions, it's so passive. So you've got people who are spending, you know, £300 is coming off their paycheck every month and going into their pension. They can't even tell you who their pension provider is or, you know, what pension means or what an investment is. They don't recognize themselves as investors. So there's just so much more opacity and less understanding. But then across the board, you have this lack of transparency. Even if you're investing in a fund, especially if it's an active fund, you can't see what companies it's being invested in, at least not beyond the top 10. And if you're invested in a pension, which, as you say, millions and millions of us are, you probably can't even see the top 10 funds because you don't know who your provider is and you don't know your login to your digital portal. and Therefore, you can't find it. So there's just a huge disengagement and a disconnection between individuals and the fact that actually they are investors and, and that, you know, where is their money going? Uh, and without that connection, it's going to be really hard to, to tie people to, to the impact that their money is having or could be having. That's really what we try and do at Tomello, I suppose, is, is try and create that connection between an individual and the companies that they are invested in at the end of the line. Okay, that's super interesting. So I would invite everyone listening to this podcast to actually check what they have in their pension, how they're invested. So as you were saying, Georgia, it's, you know, finding your logins, contacting your pension providers, talk to your HR and start digging into your, your pension. I think on, the, on this report by Richard Curtis, there's another interesting statistic saying that having a sustainable pension can have 27 times as much impact on reducing our carbon footprint as giving up flying and becoming a vegan combined. That can actually have a huge impact. So that's a really good way to get started. But once we look at our pension, how do we know? Like, how can we, you know, change things? What are what are maybe the, the tools we can use? Where can you can we find information to just get a better understanding of, you know, what we can do with, with our money? Great question. So for me, I think you need to understand the power dynamics. So you need to understand what is the investment chain? Where is your money going? Who has control over it? Who's making decisions? And understanding that helps you to understand how you can create impact. Because most of you listening will be aware that if you have £2,000 in an ISA and you have 100 different companies inside your fund, your voice doesn't mean very much. And that's just a reality. At least it is at the time being. 
So how can you make sure that someone down the chain is having impact towards sustainability, having a positive influence on the companies that you're invested in, whether through equity or bonds, doesn't matter. So when you make an investment, you are giving your money effectively, if you're invested in a fund, that is, to a fund manager. And that fund manager is deciding where to invest your money, uh, like which individual companies, which individual bonds that, that they're going to buy with the pool of money that has been created by you and lots of other investors like you investing in that fund. So that fund manager is in a very powerful position because not only are they deciding which companies to buy or sell, they are also getting the shareholder rights when they buy the shares in those companies. So if they are having a meeting with an oil company, then it's up to them. They're meeting the CFO, the CEO, potentially members of the board, certainly the investor relations team. So real people at these companies listening to what their shareholders want, they're meeting these people and they have the opportunity to push them on things like gender diversity or climate reporting or biodiversity disclosure um, or human rights, whatever it is that you're particularly interested in. So some fund managers will meet these companies and talk about those things endlessly. Others will meet those companies and they won't talk about them at all. They'll just focus on financial performance. And some fund managers won't even bother to meet the companies. So I think what you're trying to do is understand, like, what is the outlook of my fund manager? How much does he or she care about these issues? And is he or she going to be pushing the companies that they are invested in on these issues? When it comes to the actual shareholder rights and the voting rights, there was a resolution at BP this year where shareholders, lots of fund managers, had come together and demanded that BP report on climate change and set climate change targets in like a, a completely new way that was really going to speed up the movement towards decarbonation and, and reducing their fossil fuel footprint. And that was a fund manager that some of you might have in your pension who had put that question to BP and then all the other fund managers could vote on it. And in the end, that's really pressuring BP to completely change the way they think about climate change, because if they don't, they know that their shareholders are going to withdraw and they're going to lose money and their share price is going to drop. And when the CEOs and the board of these companies are incentivized by share price, you know, they get paid based on how well their company is valued. It's really important to them that their share price doesn't drop because that's the cash that they take home at the end of the day. So the system is set up in a way that we can use the levers of power that exist in the investment system to affect the way these companies behave. But if you just invest in any old fund manager who, who doesn't care about these companies, then you're not having any impact. So I think that's when it comes to, you know, when you're picking a fund, kind of understanding the outlook of the fund manager through, through the philosophy that they have, through how they approach stewardship or, or shareholder engagement. And if they haven't written about that on the fund, then you shouldn't invest in the fund. I guess that, that, Sometimes people say, well, that doesn't say anything. Well, if they haven't said anything about it, then clearly it's not important to them. Whereas fund managers that really do care will say that straight away. They'll say, we talk to all of our companies about these issues. We always vote for climate change, for gender equality. We use all of our shareholder rights. We report back to investors. And then you know, oh, well, these guys are taking it seriously and they're going to be looking after my money in a way that is kind of leveraging the power of that money to improve the output of these companies because you obviously can't be expected yourself to be you know going through the fund and working out what you know which which company is sustainable and which isn't yeah that's why you pay your fund manager yeah and especially in your in your pension i mean money money from pensions are going to be i guess in in a mix of active funds and, and passive funds uh, mm -hmm. so but maybe you can 
talk to us a little bit about that. But I think one one thing to, to remember if you're investing money, so through a pension, uh, maybe through a stocks and shares, it's your money. Uh, you are the client. And sometimes we can be a bit shy because we... You know, we don't necessarily understand how our money is invested, how the financial industry, the, the stock market works. So we are not really asking for anything in return. We tend to pay also high high fees. I mean, check the fees on your pension. But you are the client and you can really decide what you like to invest in. So you can become a little bit more active, maybe like a, you know, activist with, with your money. How how actually do you become more more active and what are the differences between the, the, the funds um, that you can invest in? So I think when it comes to pensions, there's a couple of levers. One is talking to your employer. You're still a client. Your employer has arranged for you to get a pension, but they're not managing your pension in most cases, especially if it's a, a DC, like a direct contribution pension. And even if they are managing your pension. It's managed by a separate board, like a separate committee called, of people called trustees, whose sole job is to make sure that you have the right pension for you. They have a fiduciary duty. It's a legal binding to say that they will act in your best interest to get the best outcome for you as a pension member. That's all they have to do. So you need to tell them, I care about these things. How are you making sure that my money is invested in a good way or that my fund manager is voting? How did you guys want to vote on the last climate change vote at BP? You know, and you may well find that actually they didn't even know there was a vote. And that potentially is a problem for you, depending especially on how big your company is. So I think there's, you know, and these are not complicated tools. I mean, I'm talking about sending an email. So they, they have they have to reply to you. And if you don't send it to the employer or the trustee, you can send it straight to your pension provider, straight to you know, the large providers that, that are uh, that you're paying, as you say, your client, that you're paying to look after your pension. And similarly, you can email a fund manager. So if you go onto any fund page, there's going to be a contact for that asset management house and you'll be able to send them an email and say, hey, what are you doing about this? And the more specific you can be with your question, then the more specific the answer will be. But also, it's a really useful signal for them to say, oh, actually, these people care about this. Because one of the problems I have when I'm talking to fund managers is saying, they, they say to me, well, consumers don't care. And I'm thinking, well, consumers do care. Consumers just don't know how to care. They don't, they don't, they they don't, don't have ask. the transparency mm -hmm. to know that it's important. And if they did care, how, they don't know how to contact you. How would they express their opinion at the moment? Uh, it's not easy to move, move your money around. So uh, you, you can't tell that way. And also, if you did move your money, you wouldn't know whether they moved it you know, because they needed it back or because it was performance or because of sustainability. So... I guess it's a double-edged sword in that way where fund managers don't think people care because people don't contact them. So what we need to do as consumers is contact them. And that's what Make My Money Matter are trying to get people to do is to um, like reach out to their pension, to their employer and their trustees and to their fund managers and say like, hey, I really care about this. What are you doing? And I guess from Tamela's perspective, what we do is we build tools that help individuals look inside their pension and look inside their fund to see okay, exactly which companies am I invested in? What votes are actually going on? So you'd be able to see that climate change vote happening at BP in real time and contribute your opinion. And that information, we are doing all the kind of legwork and the emailing, basically. Like we take all of the, your opinions and feed them back to the fund manager so that we can say, hey, all the people invested in this company's pension scheme really care that you vote yes on this climate change vote. 
or the you vote no on this CEO pay issue. And that kind of is opening up that two-way communication. But if your scheme doesn't currently use Tomello, the best way is to email them and tell them that you care about this stuff. And that they should sign up to Tomello. Yeah, that would be good too. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, so you're working basically with asset managers, with pension providers, and you're helping these guys like give a better you know, transparency around funds and where the money is going, and then doing all this you know, activism work on behalf of, of all of us, basically, who have, who have pensioned with these uh, big providers, right? Yeah, exactly. And I guess it's not... We are... You know, I study climate change and sustainability and stuff, so obviously it's coming from that perspective but we also have people on our platform that don't care about climate change and that kind of feel the opposite and it's still a way for them to express their opinion too and obviously there are not very many of them but the whole point is that at the moment nobody has a voice um, unless you are like Mr. Fund Manager and and that's really what we're trying to change is to open up that communication channel so that the finance system is much more representative of what us on the people on the street actually think or the people listening to this podcast and what we believe is that if these people had more of a say then we would end up with a more sustainable system because on the whole people want better human rights better gender equality better climate change solutions and that they will they will push for that whereas at the moment the finance system isn't really reflecting that at least not at the pace that we want it to it's not and you, i mean Every week I receive so many emails about, you know, how do I get started investing my money? But actually, a lot of women are asking me, how do I get started uh, to invest in a sustainable way? Uh, so I think for a lot of people who are not investing or have a pension but are not really checking their pension, this is a really big thing and it is really important. So I hope there's going to be a lot more transparency and thanks to, to, to Melo. Yeah, we, well, I feel we're getting there, which is fantastic. But Georgia, I wanted to talk also about the, the negative if, I mean, some things that are happening around sustainability, I wanted to talk about greenwashing. Uh, maybe you can define the term for us, but I feel a lot of companies are using, you know, marketing, PR strategy to appear aligned with, you know, sustainable or ESG objectives. But it's not always the case. And we've seen that for, you know, retail brands and stuff. But how, I mean, how is it impacting the, you know, the asset managers and the investment industry? So greenwashing means that people are using, I guess, the green or the term sustainability or ESG or SRI or impact in a way that is wrong. Basically, that they're not actually doing what they say they're doing on the tin. They're using it more as marketing and less as the natural method for making an investment. It's super dangerous because it's confusing for consumers and generally it just degrades the whole focus of sustainability for the industry you know the whole point of sustainable investing is to help people make money from more sustainable investments and to improve the outcomes not just financially but also in terms of society and the environment and if you have funds that are not sustainable labeling themselves as sustainable through some kind of label whether it's SRI or ESG then you know you're you're basically reducing progress and you're you're confusing people so it's super negative I think that I guess as a consumer, it's difficult to, to get around that to some extent. And that's why the industry really needs to police itself, because you can't expect consumers to, to do all of the legwork. It should be clear from, from the labeling. The, the Investment Association has come out with kind of clear definitions of what it means to, to, to negative screen versus 
positive screen versus impact invest, kind of the spectrum of different levels of sustainability, basically. So fund managers should be adhering to that, but that doesn't stop their marketing team, you know, saying that they care massively about the future and that they're focusing on you know, sustainable progress. So I guess it comes back to what they are invested in. And that's why you need that look through, you need transparency, you need to be able to say, oh, hang on a second, like, why is Nike in there? And they need to have a good answer for, for why they've included that company over another one. And they also need to have a good answer for stewardship. And all these companies do publish their voting records online, or you know, most fund managers will do that. But there are like 700 page black and white facts documents that just, you know, you would never spend time going well, through. They won't make any sense to anyone. So trying to produce that information in a more consumer friendly way, which is what Tamela does, I think is really, really important to help people make faster decisions. You do now have like the big issue you have, have grouped together with fund managers to create the big exchange, which is an investment platform which only invests in sustainable funds. So that's like a good way to go and find sets of funds that are definitely sustainable. But those asset managers are having to prove themselves. So they've written, I think, a bio of every company that's included in this fund. Why have they decided to include that company? What is their outlook on stewardship? What is their kind of philosophy as a fund manager in the sustainability space? You know, they're really having to prove themselves to be on that platform. And I think that's how it should be. If fund managers want the upside of saying, I am a sustainable fund, then they need to do the legwork to get there. They can't just kind of stick a sticker on the fund label to say like, hey, like, yeah, we're ESG because sometimes we think about gender diversity because that is super dangerous for consumers. I think there's not a simple answer as to how to get around it apart from to invest with reputable fund houses who you know um, or, or who you've worked with before and with organizations that clearly do the legwork on their website and on their fund pages. And you'll be able to compare if you just pick three, you'd be able to compare how do they speak about the sustainability on their website? Is it an extra page or is it something that they start with on page one? On their homepage, do they talk about being a sustainable investor? And, and if they do, that's a good sign. And, and that's maybe something to follow. If it's a separate page, like a CSR page on a website, then it could be that they don't do it seriously. And I guess that's the other thing to think about is that if a company has lots of funds that are mainstream, uh, and then one sustainable fund, but they say, you know, they're really excited about the future of sustainability. There's maybe a question to be asked as to, you know, well, if you really believe in sustainability, why don't you manage all of your funds in that way? Because it feels like a mass major contradiction. So unless you have a fund talking about sustainability and stewardship through and through, then I struggle to see how they are actually uh, sustainable investing. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, I, I mean, about the fees uh, when you when you invest in a more sustainable manner have you seen a big difference in fees versus investing in i mean not necessarily for passive funds obviously but for more, more active funds are the managers you know charging more for this type of funds or not necessarily i would say that they shouldn't be whether they are or not i guess is, is depending on the fund manager being a sustainable investor shouldn't really add so much to your workload once it's part of your process because you're meeting the same companies as you say you are you know normal active mass and active managers do and you're asking just as many questions there may be just different questions and you have you know just as much to think about your outlook it's maybe just a longer term outlook so you're still going through the same activities it's just that you have a slightly different worldview and you're approaching them in a different way so if it may be 
the case, as with so many sustainability products, that there is a premium that these organizations are expecting uh, consumers to pay. But they should have a clear reason for why that is. And I expect it's something that will decrease over time because they will become mainstream and then it, it won't, they won't be able to charge more for it. No, thank you so much. That's a really good point. Do you see any other challenges sustainable investing? I guess mostly it's about education for us. It's about how can you make it super clear to individuals why sustainable investing matters. It's all about the why. Because when people will say, oh, I haven't really thought about sustainability or I don't know what ESG is or I don't care. But if you then explain to them just the fundamentals of why you might want to invest in a company that considers women an important asset, then immediately people are like, oh, yeah, well, that's obvious. You know, it's just it's just they, they need that education to understand what what is the norm at the moment versus what are they thinking should be obvious, which is, you know, looks more like the future for us when it comes to the financial space. And I think you know, people expect these organizations to work in a consumer friendly way and, and they don't at the moment. So I think digital technology is a barrier. The fact that people can't access their pension or find it hard to do so, don't know their logins, it's, it's just you know, it's really going to slow down progress to people understanding where their pension is. So I guess education and digital uptake are the two main challenges that we have. And um, also there's a lot of people working in finance and in this investing space, stewarding the assets, looking after our money, who don't necessarily share a more modern or maybe progressive worldview. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time working with and maybe convincing people to think differently than they already do when actually, you know, if you if you were speaking to, you know, maybe your average 26 year old, you wouldn't even have to have that conversation. So that is a bit of a challenge. I do think it's changing that, um, you know, most people are coming around to the idea that climate change is really, really important if, if they weren't there already. And regulation is really helping. So the FCA and, and the, the pensions regulator are definitely pushing in the direction of more transparency, better stewardship, The PLSA is a brilliant policy kind of institute that is pushing for trustees of pensions to, to communicate more with the underlying members. So, you know, that's us. Ask us what we want. Implement that in real life. So it's definitely going in the right direction. It's just, it's slow progress. No, thank you so much. And and yeah, education is such a big piece. You're right. And, and I think here we're trying to, you know, educate people financially. Uh, so, you know, what's a pension? What do you do with your investment? And at the same time, like doing the sustainable thing, which is, you know, where do you actually put your money? How do you, can you make a difference in the world? So we'll get there. But yeah, you're right. It's a lot of um, of education. Georgia, it's been super, super helpful. I have some quick fire questions for you. Five questions. Uh, that are more about your own finances. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> your top three financial goals. Oh, gosh. I should definitely have thought properly about these before. Well, my top financial goal at the moment is to have a successful exit probably on the company. You know, we're trying to grow and scale the business and uh, to exit and, and to then allow us to scale globally. So that's that's a financial goal, Amazing. which is a bit more team-based. My other financial goals are probably to save, to buy a house. So I'm definitely still in that. So it feels like strange juxtaposition, like exiting my company and still haven't bought a house, but that, that probably is true. And I have a savings file, or whatever you call it, a space on my Starling account, which is called Pony Pot. So I'm going to say that saving for a pony is also one of my top three. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
What's the best financial decision you've ever made? The best financial decision I've ever made. God, I haven't made that many financial decisions. Um, uh, maybe it doesn't feel super obvious. I think the best financial decision I ever made was, oh, okay, fine. When I was like 15, I needed pocket money and I started waitressing. And it was a financial decision. But actually, I'm so glad that I did that because I then waitressed for like three years or something. And it has been so useful for my kind of really basic like, EQ and empathy and customer service and the stuff that I need every day in my business now, like confidence. And I really feel like doing that then just because I need to pocket money and on all those other jobs that kind of came from it, like sales jobs and stuff like that, have really, really enabled me to, to make better decisions now. So I guess that was a financial decision that has, that has gone well. Great. Um, maybe one that hasn't gone so well, like a bad financial decision? Oh, well, after I left university, I um, really wanted to work in conservation. So I agreed to work for free for three months was, was the time period. It was a long time to work for free. So I was then waitressing in the evening and I was a secretary on the weekends and I was absolutely exhausted and so demotivated. And I thought like, oh, you know, I care about this enough that I'm happy to do that. And, you know, on the one hand, I do, my whole life is about sustainability and how we can improve the financial system and all this stuff. But unless you feel like you are being rewarded, and I guess it doesn't have to be through money, maybe there are other ways to do that. But yeah, unless you feel like it's a, change, a fair exchange of value, I think that however passionate you are about something, it, it becomes a challenge to kind of keep your motivation up. And that's also something I think about For now at our firm, you know, I always am expecting, okay, people are going to take a pay cut to work here because we have the best culture and we, and we have the best impact. And they do. But at the same time, you have to make sure people feel recognized and that they on an individual basis are adding value and getting value from the organization. Because even though we have a really clear purpose, people are, are, are part of a team, but they're also individuals and, and making sure people feel recognized and like there is a fair exchange of value is something that's really important. And I guess I learned that from that experience. It was hard working for Yeah, Thank you. And what's financial independence for you? Financial independence for me, I guess it means living the way that I want to. I feel like, you know, I want to be able to live sustainably and I want to be able to afford to do that. And that really means having freedom to make decisions about how you eat and how you travel and You know, you can't be in a position where you're, everything is last resort because then you can't be sustainable. You know, if you're not thinking about things long term, it's very hard to think sustainably. Um, and that goes for everything, but especially consumerism. So I guess for me, financial independence is about having the space and the freedom to be able to make sustainable decisions whenever I can. Yeah. And what are the things you spend the most money on? Oh, I'm actually quite a good saver, I have to say. So I would say I spend most money on food overall but also experiences I love to you know last weekend we went cliff jumping and in Scotland and you know it was a terrible decision in October don't do that anyone that's <laughs> listening but um yeah I like to uh do fun things and, and spend money you know having a nice time with other people so I guess ex food and experiences are the main things I spend money on thank you so much Georgia can we just finish off and can you maybe tell me the 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 most important things you've you've learned and what what are you still working on i guess uh most important things i've learned oh my god i've learned so much from from running the company and that has been my main focus or my sole focus pretty much since i left university i think i have learned 
from a financial perspective a lot about how to kind of manage people and pay people and manage the company's finances. Um, sometimes I think I don't think about mine enough. So that's something I've learned. I really put my own finances second, you know, always taking a pay cut the minute I needed to and I'm not thinking so much about the future. So I think I maybe have to change that. Uh, that's something I'm still working on. But I think also if, if you have a clear purpose for, you know, how you're spending your time and why you're spending your money, then then it all falls into line a bit more easily. So I suppose that's something else I've learned probably from, from Tamela. Great. And what's next for, for Tamela? Oh, so much. Uh, we are hiring people really quickly. So we're, we're trying to grow an amazing team. We are working with some of the largest pension providers in the UK, Aviva and Legal in general at the moment, um, and adding more every week. So I guess for us, it's about expanding in terms of team, in terms of geography, in terms of the number of people accessing our platform. You know, right now is only a couple of thousand people through the schemes that we currently work with, the workplace pension schemes. But uh, we're looking to increase that to a couple hundred thousand over the next 12 months. And yeah, really take, take the world by storm, give lots of people transparency and get as many people as possible voting on all of these issues that are coming up at, at the companies that they own. I love that. Well, good luck. Really, really uh, all the best with Tumelo, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we, I hope like most of your pension providers are going to be using Tumelo very soon and you'll be able to, to use the platform and to see where your money is actually going. How do we find you, Georgia? Tumelo.com? your website maybe on twitter yeah so we actually launched a new website today i think i mean maybe don't hold me to that but i'm pretty sure so if you go to www.tomelo.com t-u-m-e-l-o then you're going to see our new website which tells you all about what we do um, it's mostly focused on like our investment partners but i think you should get a clear idea of, of what we're aiming to do and if it's not clear send us an email because we, we need to test it you can Email us at hello at tomello.com and offer to do user testing if you're keen to like get a demo of the product and see what on earth I'm talking about. We love doing video interviews with kind of randomers who are offering a bit of their time that takes like an hour. So that's something that's super important for us to keep learning about how normal people think about money rather than always speaking to kind of investment experts. So yeah, definitely hello at tomello.com. Otherwise, you can just reach out on Twitter. We're tomellohq on Twitter and on Facebook and I think on Instagram as well. Amazing. I'll add everything to the resources of the podcast and you'll be able to, you know, see what, what Georgia is doing. Georgia, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. I hope I can see you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much for having me. It's been really nice uh, yeah. to catch up again. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what you do at Best Pod in the podcast as well. Thank you so much. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon.